you ready to talk fantasy football? Then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. And welcome to the first episode of the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast, where we talk all things fantasy football. I am Mike Randall here with my illustrious partner, Scott Burke. Scotty, how you doing? Mike, I'm doing good, man. How about you? Can't complain, and we are going right through week three right now. We're in the midst of the week three preseason games, and this is a perfect time, Scott, for us to start our first fantasy football podcast, first episode of Picking Up the Blitz. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Really ready to get this going. Uh, Things are starting to take shape in the NFL. Like you said, it's usually dress rehearsal week, people uh, getting jobs, people losing jobs, and talk about some of that. Scott and I are longtime fantasy football gurus. We love it. We're writers. We're into it. And what we're going to do here is produce a podcast for you that gives you the same information in the same format every week. It's not going to be one of these podcasts where it's two guys on an interview with no script. We're going to have a podcast here that gives you a concise four-quarter breakdown of what you need each week. We have four quarters. They're designated to the same topics each week. So for you, it's consumable. It's something that will preview the games. We'll review the games. We'll give you some inside scoops. Scotty talks DFS. We talk standard. We talk PPR. Whatever you want, we're one-stop shopping for fantasy football. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's nothing we are you know not going to talk about. You know, we we're with the headlines. We want to get you the best information possible. Give you the best reviews. Let you know who is going to help make a difference for you during this uh, grueling 17-week season that's coming ahead, 16 weeks in most fantasy leagues. And right now we're in the midst, Scott, of, of redraft season, so people are starting to get things going. I think we have our own draft, my friend, coming up on Sunday night, don't we? Yes, we do. 7 o'clock Sunday night, you know, getting ready to build that team that's going to keep you in the basement, like always. Yeah, and I think that's the same league, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, my friend, that I was in last year, went 6-8, and eight, despite having Matt Ryan, Melvin Gordon, and Mike Evans. How'd that happen, my friend? Yeah, yeah, that's one of those you can't figure out, but, you know, at least you can complain about the waiver wire again. <laughs> <laughs> Waiver wire rules. Woo, that could be a pot in itself. Let's get started, Scott. What do you think? We'd hit our first quarter with our news and notes. Let's do it. All right, Scott. We're going to start with one of the big guns, one of the top half of the first round picks, Odell Beckham Jr. You saw the hit against the Cleveland Browns there. Odell Beckham Jr. is getting laser treatment right now on his ankle, and the rumors are out there, my friend. Is he going to be ready for week one? Should fantasy owners be concerned? I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's a little, you know, a little over the top here. We'll talk about, you know, what many people are saying are sprained ankle. You know, it seems to be a lot of drama that follows this guy, whether it's, you know, with kicking nets or, you know, talk show host in New York City that can't stand him because he misses meetings and events. But, uh, you know, you got to say, give it another week here and see. There's a chance that he may, he may miss, you know, week one. Got this special treatment, you know, this Phoenix Thermalase treatment, non-invasive to, you know, work on this ankle, something new, something we don't know much about. So we'll take a look and see. I mean, you know, right now as we sit here today, still give it a few more days. You know, we're about 13, 14 days out from the season. You know, let's, let's see how we are in a week. My guess, he'll play Sunday night in Dallas. And I, I agree with you. And here's the thing. The guy's a big-time player. He's one of the top fantasy players that are out there. There's question mark Scott all over the place. Le'Veon Bell's not even in camp yet. So I think, listen, Odell Beckham, if you like him, you draft him, you roll the dice, and you hope he's back week one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's jump from Odell Beckham, and let's go to uh, the team that he actually played against on uh, Monday night in that game there. The Cleveland Browns making some news. Third preseason game. They're going to give the uh, starting role to rookie Deshaun Kaiser. 
Mike, what do you think about that? I love Deshaun Kaiser. Listen, there's precedence for this, Scott, with Robert Griffin III, right? So there's precedence for a rookie quarterback coming in. Listen, I understand the Browns were not good last year. We get that. They're in a very tough division. You got the Steelers. You got the Bengals, who have an easy schedule this year, Ravens. But I think that Hugh Jackson's going to make him better. I think Deshaun Kaiser is the right move. For those out there, some some of you people are metrics people. Some of you people are film people. Scott and I are the best of both worlds. We love the math. But Scott, I've watched those games. I watched all the Twitter feeds and all the things on online about all of Deshaun Kaiser's throws. He's got a strong arm. He's quick. That's going to open up running lanes. I like Deshaun Kaiser. I'm not going to go nuts and tell you he's going to be a top 12 pick, but I do think he's a very viable bi-week replacement. And I think you should be careful in week one, him being home. I think he could be. I don't know, Scott. I could see him being a top 18 quarterback in week one. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, well, you know, that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, especially that secondary, doesn't scare many. And I'm glad you brought up that Robert Griffin the third reference because I'm pretty sure I know someone who was all over him that rookie year. Brought him to the finals of his fantasy football league. I think you might know him too. Topic three, Scott, from Zach Kiefer of the Indy Star Sports on Twitter. At Z Kiefer, K-E-E-F-E-R, he reports that the Colts now have just six regular practices until the season opener, and Andrew Luck has not practiced with the Colts since December. Scott, worried, not worried? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're two weeks away now from the season here, and, you know, I would start to get a little bit worried here if I'm an Andrew Luck owner or a Colts fan. You're running out of practices. I think you and I talked about this a few weeks ago that, you know, he, he's working on rehabbing that shoulder. He's just trying to get motions back and physically ready to go. Um, I, you know, I would be a little bit worried here. Um, you know, he, you know, many people target him to be a top five fantasy quarterback this year, like he is in many years. But I, I would say right now, as we sit here, like a few weeks out from the season, you know, he, he hasn't thrown a football, you know, as far as practice with the first team, second team, any team. And you know you're expecting him to go into week one and be ready to go right off the right off the bat. I I I wouldn't be surprised if you know, he misses a week or two, maybe even more. I mean, we don't know the severity of this, do we? Do we really know how severe this is and you know how long he may be out for if he's even going to be ready to go? Scott, he's in the middle of that no man's land, that quarterback mid round. There, I have no interest. I understand he's probably five six, wherever people have him. Right? Why? Why would you do that when you can get a Philip Rivers, a Matthew Stafford, a Kirk Cousins? Why would you deal with this right now? I have no interest at all. They have no defense. The offensive line. He gets hit a lot. No, thank you. Yeah, same here. I mean, the name is great. He's a great player. I'm not taking anything away from him, but. You know, there's so much more value you can find in a, in a later round for a quarterback. Get, you know, stock up on your skill positions. I don't know if I take the chance on him right now. You know, another topic we want to discuss, you know, making some headway here. You know, the Jaguars recently played a preseason game against the Carolina Panthers, and they opted to go with Chad Henney to start the game as opposed to Blake Bortles. You know, I want to get your thoughts on that. And then there's also some news circulating around that the Jaguars would not be, you know, shy in bringing in Colin Kaepernick here to, uh, compete for this position and if they do that what does that mean for Blake Bortles Bortles is done I have no interest they should cut him I don't really care Henny is fine he's a, he's a stopgap holder but I think he's got I looked at the other day he's got something like six or seven more interceptions than touchdowns in the three or four seasons that he started 13 games or more. So listen, he's had enough of a sample size, 40 games, I believe it is, Scott, where we know what he is, okay? Colin Kaepernick took a team to the Super Bowl. Colin Kaepernick was not carried like Trent Dilfer was. He played very well in that Super Bowl. They should absolutely bring him in. Jacksonville is an up-and-coming team. Their defense is very underrated this year. Robinson is frustrated, but he's a tremendous receiver. Fournette, Ivory, Yellen, somebody's good back there. I like Marquise Lee. He's hurt right now. Uh, they have enough weapons that Colin Kaepernick is a very viable 
NFL starting quarterback for them. Would he be a fantasy impact guy? Probably not, man, unless they got hot and he was in a good game at home. I, I, would I like him better than Deshaun Kaiser? No, I would not. But listen, he could get hot and he's the best option. If they want to win, Scott, I think you got to sign Kaepernick because you know what you're getting with Henny And Bortles, if you take all the garbage time stuff he's had the last couple of years, he's yeah, been terrible. King, king, king of the garbage time, Blake Bortles. I mean, he... The only reason he's even fantasy relevant is because he's drawing touchdown passes when his team's down 30 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I I bring Kaepernick in. Doesn't hurt. You got some weapons. You invested a lot in Fournette. If he's the real deal, he could take some of the pressure off Kaepernick. And, yeah, maybe you see similar season that he put up years ago when he went to Super Bowl. Hey, he was not terrible last year. The team was terrible. He went 16 touchdowns, four picks. Still ran the ball well. Won some games. You know, a couple of games. Played really well. I mean, if you're ready to deal with the uh, the the heartache and the pain from the fans and the press, take a shot. It's probably worth it. All right, last one we got here in the first quarter, Scott. There were some injuries that happened tonight right before we were taping. I think we got to talk about. First of all, Spencer Ware was carted off in his game against the Chiefs, got off to a decent start, and then he was carted off. And Julian Elliman, we were watching that game together, having a beverage, my friend, and he had an injury after catching three passes for 52 yards where he had a non-contact injury to that right knee and he went down. What's the fantasy impact here? Edelman, where? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we don't have, you know, the specifics on how bad these injuries are. But, I mean, you know, let's start with Spencer Ware. I know that game started second tonight. But, I mean, that, that you know, that's big for the Chiefs because he's the guy, you know, they let Jamal Charles leave. They wanted to focus this on Spencer Ware, let him be the lead back, you know. So for him, and tonight, before he got hurt, he was basing the entire offense, had about, you know, 20 yards rushing and about two catches, and Alex Smith only threw for 15 yards, and they both were him. So, I mean, he was the entire offense. Uh, it, it's trouble, but it does open a door for someone named Kareem Hunt, who I like going into this. I'm going to like even more if Ware's out for a little while. Definitely. That Chiefs offense is fascinating because you have Tyreek Hill, who is very polarizing, right? People either yeah. love him, they feel he's going to get 5 million targets behind the, behind the line, in front of the line, short targets, long targets. It's still coming from Alex Smith, who's got some pressure, Scott, with Pat Mahomes behind him. So they need they are a student body left, student body right control offense. You were telling me that that injury occurred right after an 8-minute drive, whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, they went 8 minutes and it was a total of 30 yards. I mean, so you're going 30 yards, 8 minutes, Alex Smith at the quarterback. He gets caught over the field. Yeah, in Seattle, maybe precautionary. Again, we don't have details yet, but, I mean, 8 minutes, he caught two passes, ran the ball three times, and then he got carted off. And what do you think about Edelman? I mean, Edelman, Edelman's big. I mean, Edelman was is, is what I like to call Brady's safety net. I mean, Brady loves Edelman. You've seen it. Anytime he needs a big play, you know, granted, Brady you know, steps back for two seconds, throws the ball four yards, and the, the Patriots <laughs> make plays. That's what we have to see, and that's what I think is frustrating for people that don't like the Patriots or watch the Patriots with all the success is that it's just quick, quick outs. But Edelman being down, that that's troublesome. And like you said, it was non-contact. We watched that a couple times. This could be something serious. I don't want to speculate. We've still got, you know, we haven't heard many of these non-contacts yet. But if he's out, obviously Brandon Cooks gets elevated. Um, you know, I'm, I wasn't big on Cooks coming here anyway. I lo- on that, that part of the deal, I love New Orleans. M- Michael Thomas going to be a star now with Cooks gone. Sure. Uh, but what we saw tonight, you know, who, who got the ball? Two touchdowns, 70 yards. Chris Hogan. I mean, maybe this is the guy. I mean, 
But if Edelman's out, it's trouble for the Patriots. This, Scott, is why I loved Julian Edelman as the best value receiver for the Patriots, because I think his route tree is the most reliable. Those passes were short passes. One was behind the line of scrimmage. They'll do a little bit of that with Cooks, but Edelman has the tenure. Edelman's been there. So his route tree was the most reliable. Gronkowski's great. We know that. And sure enough, he was the one who got the first target in the red zone there. So you know that's going to happen. But I do think, Scott, at some point, there is a defensive core coordinator on the other side of the field who is going to double team. So someone else is going to be open. Cooks is not a red zone guy. His season last year was very disappointing. He had the three touchdowns in Arizona, but outside of that, he was very helter-skelter. Edelman is a big loss. If that happens, in my mind, it's stock up Malcolm Mitchell. And of course, Gronkowski Cooks can get some more targets. Yeah, I love Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, Cooks will get the targets. And that, def- that defensive coordinator will not be Keith Butler and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw that last year in the playoffs. You know who could, this could help too? Deion Lewis. Because somebody's got to run that route tree. Absolutely. Deion Lewis will get involved more as well. All right, good first quarter. Let's hit the second quarter. Bang. All right, second quarter, Scott. It's time to give the people some of the players that we really like that we feel are massively undervalued. So in our second quarter, let's get right to it, man. Who do you want to start with? Uh, you know, let, let, let me throw it to you here. I know you're a fan of uh, one Jay Cutler, recently signed with the Darn Dolphins. Right. You know, replaces the injured Ryan Tannehill here. You know, comes much maligned Jay Cutler from the Bears. Gets a second chance here. Gets out of the uh, broadcast booth before he even got started. And, uh, you know, goes down to Miami. Going to take the lead role here. Uh, Tell me why why Jay Cutler. Because when people are listening to us right now for fantasy advice, they are not listening to us to go, you know, I had a real tough decision, man. Antonio Brown, I think, is my top wide receiver. And I think I'm going to go Julio Jones over Odell Beckham. That doesn't make the money. They can get that anywhere. You can go pick a fantasy guide up at CVS. You and I here, I think, owe the people to pick some things that are non-traditional. Non-traditional things happen all the time. Look back, for example, in 2014, Stafford, we can get to him in a minute, had an ADP of 36.8, and he had a terrible season. He was killed in seven of his 16 games, and he's barely passable in just three. However, he paled in comparison to Monte Ball. Remember the Monte Ball push? Yeah, the Monte Ball Express. Scott, his ADP in 2014 was 13. Are you kidding me? He wasn't even playing. He never even had a carry after week five. Yeah, some of these some of these ADPs that, you know, players we haven't even seen get crazy sometimes. And you make fun of me, and justifiably so, my friend. Eddie Lacy in 2015, I was all over him. His ADP was 13. His actual per week scoring average was 7.2 fantasy points in a, st- in a PPR league per game. He was 43rd. The reason I'm saying this, and I'll give you one more as well. Remember the greatness that was Justin Forsett, Scott? Okay, remember that one? Yeah, big, big. Big J four set. Right. He was he was projected weekly average was thirteen point three. His actual weekly average only because of the catches was nine point one. It was thirty fourth among all running backs. The point I'm telling you is this man, things happen that are unpredictable. I was huge that Cam Newton was gonna have a regression last year. Why? Because he's a career below sixty percent completion percentage guy, and most of his yards come from rushing. And I just felt there was a shelf life to that because outside of Fran Tarkin and Scott, I don't remember a lot of guys running all over the place as they get up there in age. Yeah, people get blinded by this quarterbacks that can run and pass. Look, it worked out one year for Robert Griffin. Cam Newton got to the Super Bowl, but 
this that that leg part, the running part fades. You know, that's one of the big reasons Colin Kaepernick still can't find a job is that, you know maybe in Jacksonville, but his running ability, you know, is what saved him for a couple of years, and now people are afraid of that. All right, so now that I've gone on my diatribe, let me tie this into Jay Cutler. Here's the deal with Jay Cutler. Scotty's got an incredible arm. He's got a 58% mile per hour throw velocity, which is 85th percentile as per player profile. A great site, folks. If you don't know it, you should check it out. He's one of the best throwers of the ball in the league. It's a work of art. Listen. I'm the eye test man. He throws a good ball. It's a tight spiral. And he's usually pretty on target. Where he's gotten in trouble in the past is those ridiculous interceptions that he tends to fire into double coverage. He spent his entire career, though, Scott, running for his life in the pocket. Remember George Costanzo in Seinfeld, where he blasted through the kids and the mothers when there was a fire? I think I smell some smoke back here. He has never been protected. You want me to prove that to you, my friend? Well, I'm glad you asked. His sack percentage, his rookie season in 2006 was 8.7%. Then when it got to 2010, he was in Chicago, was 10.7% of his dropbacks. 8.1, 6.8, 6.3, 5.7. He's always getting sacked. Want to make a comparison? Let me read to you Matt Ryan's sack percentage, okay? 3.8, 4.0, 3.9, 4.4. I will tell you this. Jay Cutler can throw the ball just as well as Matt Ryan can if he's protected. My argument is he's with Adam Gaze. When they were together, he had his best QBR rating ever. He's a guy that when he was protected and when he had his best season where he wasn't getting hit, which was back in what was it, 2008? His sack percentage was only 1.8 in Denver. Scotty threw for over 4,500 yards and 25 touchdowns. And that was back then when not everybody was throwing for 4,000, for 4, 5,000 yards. He's got Gaze. He's got Devontae Parker, who he compared to, compared to Alshon Jeffrey. He's got Jarvis Landry. He has Julius Thomas at tight end. He's got Kenny Skills, who's a deep threat. And he's got a team, Scott, that's going to run the ball with Jay Ajay. I am not going nuts. I'm not telling this guy's going to be a top eight quarterback, but I would definitely feel comfortable in starting him in home games. And I think at the end of the season, his floor is top 15 fantasy quarterback. Only home games? That's right. So you're anti-road quarterback, anybody. <laughs> uh, you know, there's no questioning Cutler's arm ability. He could throw the ball. He can play the position. He has those crazy mistakes that we don't like, the interceptions. But you talk about, you know, running for his life. You know, it's funny. You know, he, he maybe he's leaving the Bears a year a year too, you know, too soon. Because, you know, according to ProFootballFocus.com, the Bears entered the year with the fifth best offensive line. The Dolphins, 26th. And let's not forget Mike Pouncey can never stay healthy. He's never on the field. So yes, I get it. Cutler has ability. He's got weapons. I love Jarvis Landry. He's got weapons in the backfield with Ajayi. He has other Kenny Stills, that feast of famine kind of kind of play down the down the sidelines or down the middle of the field. But I mean, can he be top fifteen? Sure. But I would say no more than top 15. You know, he does have ability, but to me, no more than top 15. Listen, we're both hashtag wait on quarterback guys. Scott, by the time we get to your draft on Sunday night, I may be waiting for Jay Cutler. Yeah, you, you may have you may have no choice, you know. <laughs> you know recent draft, we took part in just as a little bit of a practice. Quarterbacks flew off the radar before you knew it. We're, we're staring at, you know, Tyrod Taylor and uh, Carson Wentz. And, man, that was a four-point-per-quarterback touchdown league. It made no sense yeah, at all. Yeah, none at all. All right, so I talked about Cutler. That's my quarterback guy. You're a big Stafford fan. Tell me about him. Yeah, you know, Matt Stafford, to me, is one of those guys, that, you know, like us that like to wait on quarterbacks, you know. I'm not saying he's going to be the reason you win your fantasy league, but I'm pretty sure he won't be the reason you lose. You know, he, last year, no Calvin Johnson, put together probably his best overall season. You know, threw for over 4,300 yards, had 24 touchdowns, 
lowest career interception input with 10 or output with 10. And if you notice, the past four years, his interception totals have gone down from 19 to 10. He made Marvin Jones a first-half star. Golden Tate resurrected in the second half. He's got two running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He even has a third running back that can punch it in from the goal line in Zach Zenner. He's got himself an emerging tight end. Many people are hiring Eric Ebron. I say we still got to wait a little bit to see. Let him him show us something first before we start anointing him Tony Gonzalez. Don't get me started on Eric Ebron. (laughs) Well, you know, let's see a little bit out of him first. But you can do so much worse than Matthew Stafford. And if you're waiting... For a quarterback, if you're one of those guys that want to build up your skill position, especially if you're playing one of those leagues that offer a flex position, all right, you don't want to be sitting here, you know, you're, t- you're sitting at the fifth pick, you take, I don't know, Odell Beckham, you wait for the come around, you get yourself a running back, and all of a sudden people start taking quarterbacks. What are you going to, you're going to rush to take what, Andrew Luck and hope his shoulder is good? No. Fill out your position, fill out your roster, wait to the ninth, tenth, eleventh round and get yourself a quarterback that finished seventh last year. That no one even knows about because Calvin Johnson was gone. He was going to have a terrible year. He put up his best efficient football, fantasy football season in, you know, possibly his career. So for me, Matthew Stafford's a guy you can grab 10th round and be, you know, more than adequate in leading your fantasy team. You drive me nuts with Matthew Stafford because I have no problem with Matthew Stafford. I agree with you for all the reasons you just said, the lower interception last year, the shorter passes – I agree. He's getting more efficient, if you notice. He went from 60% three years ago efficiency to 67, two years ago to 65. This is what I will tell you. They don't have a good running game. They lost Decker, the left tackle now for a while. I think it's a running back by committee, which you know the old rule Parcell said, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Scott, I'm going to adapt it. If you got three running backs, you got no running back. I like Stafford, but I think his touchdown ceiling is affected by not having Calvin Johnson. Now, if Kenny Galladay turns in to be half as good as he seems like he is in the preseason, that would definitely help Stafford. I like Stafford. I think he's safe. I don't think the Lions are going to be particularly good this year. I think Stafford gets in trouble when he tries to overcompensate. I think they managed him very well. And I also kind of like the division, man. I mean, the Vikings have a good defense. The Packers are the king of the division. And honestly, I think the Bears are pretty decent on defense. Yeah, well, you know, the division is the division's all right. But to me, Stafford's a guy you want to look at and you say – Teams with three running backs have no running backs. Ask the Patriots. How'd that work out for them? I think that works out pretty well. They got 15 guys in the backfield, and yet they win Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Yes, Tom Brady, I get it. But they got. we don't know who's starting week one. You know who's starting week two. Senator, I served with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Senator, I know the Patriots, and the Lions are not the Patriots. Lloyd Benson, Dan Quayle, anything? No, No, but is Amir Abdullah, (laughs) Dio Riddick, are they better than the Patriot running backs? On paper, I'd say I think Abdullah has a big year. And there's no force feeding. There's no Calvin Johnson. So who are you force feeding the ball to? Hopefully Golden Tate if my prediction comes true. All right, Mike, let's talk about another one or two guys that we, you know, think are kind of not getting the recognition they may deserve or maybe going to turn some heads. I don't know. You know, I know one guy in Atlanta, tight end, Austin Hooper, that's a guy you like. I know you're a big Kyle Rudolph guy. Maybe you're comparing him to Kyle Rudolph. You know, talk to me a little bit about Austin Hooper. Why could he be an impact tight end? Because, Scott, if you're playing fantasy football and you're only starting one player, i.e. tight end, i.e. quarterback, if you're going to take that person early, they must be that much better than everyone else. Case in point, Le'Veon Bell and Dave Johnson last year. Those guys were so much better than the other running backs, they were worth every penny. I am hashtag wait on tight end. You know my thoughts on Rob Gronkowski. 
I love Austin Hooper. Hooper right now is available like the 12th tight end. You can get him at the end of the draft. There's precedence for the Falcons using their tight end. They have future Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez. They had Tammy last year who wasn't great. He is now gone. When when Hooper came in the second half of the year, he really ripped it up. He's 6'4", 254 pounds. He's very athletic. He's a, They have to come up, Scott, with another receiver in Atlanta. Julio Jones did it all last year. He had a great season. There are defensive coordinators who are going to scheme against that. I also like Mohamed Sanu, but Hooper, I can get him that late. I have him right now, honestly, in Fantasy Pros, ranked as my sixth best overall tight end. I think his value is incredible. I would absolutely take him right up there with a Greg Olson with their production as he's going to do in Carolina as he's waiting to try to get a new contract. Hanging with Mr. Hooper. I'm certainly doing it, my friend. You just said Austin Hooper is Greg Olson? Yeah, I need I need to see that first <laughs> before we start going and calling him Greg Olson. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Austin Hooper, you know, if you're going to get him, what, 11th, 12th, 13th round? I know you're a big Kyle Rudolph guy too. Why not just get Kyle Rudolph maybe 8th or ninth round as opposed to, you know, waiting that long for Hooper? Is it that much of a difference between Rudolph and Hooper? I like Olsen. He's Mr. Reliable. But, Scott, I got to point out, the guy himself is not a big touchdown guy. If you look at the last six seasons, he's had five or less, five of those six seasons. Olsen does not get touchdowns. So, to me, Hooper can be more of a red zone threat than than Olsen is in that system. Olsen is the safe play, but you like me. You know me. I like to play some cards. I like to roll the dice. I'll take Hooper at his late, late ADP, and I think I'll get a top six tight end. You roll what you got to roll with. And last one we'll turn to here, man, is rookies. I know you're a big rookie fan. Very polarizing rookie out there on the West Coast, Cooper Cup. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup, you know, he's played a couple of preseason games. He's a little banged up right now with an injury. They say it's minor, but, you know, he's put together eight catches, 105 yards, scored a touchdown. He's lined up in the slot. You know, is he maybe taking the Tavon Austin's role away from him? You know, they just traded for Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins' old buddy Robert Woods will line up on the outside of him. I mean, Cooper Cup is a guy His ADP is going up as people watch these preseason games. It could be a lot of hype. It could be just, you know, people watching and say, oh, my God, this kid you know, is a rookie. No one's talking about him. Let's take a shot. He looks like he's got some mobility, 6'2", 205 pounds. Looks like he may be able to fit in that slot position. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets a chance week one as long as he's healthy. You know, he may not get drafted week one, you know, during your drafts, but he could be somebody that's scooped up in the wire. You know, that first week or two, there's always guys that people let go and clamoring for on the waiver wire. Cooper Cup might be that guy. You know, if he goes out and catches four balls for, you know, 50, 60 yards and finds the end zone. He might be a guy people want to pick up and be a streaming replacement once in a while. Listen, I think it's a good one. When you get to the end of the draft, you got to go with your gut and go with your heart here, man. You're looking for home run. You're looking for a lottery ticket. My issue is I just don't know how much Jared Goff can support those wide receivers. I kind of like Woods better than him, but you're right. If Cooper Cup passes Robert Woods in terms of targets, he can be a very viable option because you're playing the Rams. You know you're taking out Sammy Watkins, so you're right. He could be a secondary receiver. I don't like him, but I like the argument because I see a path it could happen. All right, Scott, let's break for halftime here. All right, halftime's over. Refreshed and replenished, Scotty. Let's go to our QB ranking. Let's do a little QB talk. What do you say? So I got my rankings here. You got yours. Let's take a look and see where we differ. Right off the top, I uh, we know, I know you disagree with me. I'm a big Philip Rivers guy. I'm a big Philip Rivers with Wiz and Hunt guy. I'm a big Philip Rivers with resources. He is a guy, Scott, who tends to play well. He does well in Denver. He doesn't freaking care about that. I understand that they have the no-fly zone, but they also don't have Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips is now with the Rams. So I think they could take a step back. Rivers, he plays 16 games. I know the interceptions are up there, but they're no worse off than like a Matt Ryan or even Stafford. He tends to have around 12 to 15 interceptions. If he can lower that down, I think he's a safe lock for 30 touchdowns. 
I got uh, Philip Rivers, Scott, as my number five quarterback overall. Yeah, I have Philip Rivers outside the top ten. I mean, this is you know a combination of a lot of things. I mean, he does play in the AFC West. I know you say he plays well in Denver. It's still a tough division. You got you know some of the best cornerbacks in the league are keep to leave. Chris Harris. They all play in that division. The Chiefs. You know, Marcus Peters. There's no no slouches in the secondary in the AFC West. He can throw the ball. He can make. He can put up some stats. He also has. You know, Eli Manning syndrome to me sometimes where he throws interceptions that just make you shake your head. You, know, you look at him and you, you don't know where he's throwing the ball, why he's throwing this football, but he does tend to do that. You know, last year, let's talk about last year in general. You know, red zone completion percentage for Philip Rivers was 29th in the league. I mean, if you're telling me this guy's top 10, you said, what, 7th? He is for you. You want you want someone a little more efficient in the red zone, you know, than 29th. He completed less than 50% of his red zone passes. And to me, you know, you're playing fantasy football. You know, you're inside that 20. You're looking to score touchdowns. And we don't know what Keenan Allen is. Is he ever going to stay on the field? You know, he may, I give Philip Rivers a ton of credit. He introduced us to Tyrell Williams last year. Travis Benjamin had a resurgence. You know, he's got a good running game with Melvin Gordon, but, you know, for me, he's going to be outside the top 10 for, you know, those litany of reasons. Yeah, those are all good reasons. He, I, I think, Scott, that's an anomaly. And this is, again, this is gut instinct. Because, for example, look at Antonio Brown. Now, you and I both agree Antonio Brown's the best wide receiver in fantasy football, hands down. Last year, he actually ranked 17th in red zone receptions, yet he was still the top wide receiver. So I think occasionally you have these sort of anomaly stats that occur. Antonio Brown, if he regresses back to his normal meet in the red zone, he's not going to be the number one wide receiver. He's going to blast ahead of everybody else. I think Phillip Rivers is better in the red zone this year. Melvin Gordon ate like a hungry person on Thanksgiving. Maybe that comes back a little bit. I like his weapons. Keenan Allen's back. Travis Benjamin is a very underrated deep threat. I think Dontrell Inman is the guy out there. I think Benjamin is, is a game breaker. He's got Gates. He needs one touchdown catch. Hunter Henry's a weapon. He's got a ton of weapons. If he stays vertical and he cuts down the interceptions, I think his floor is high. I get your point. I just am buying the bounce back for Phillip Rivers in the red zone area. I mean, the you know, Antonio Brown, yeah, he struggled in the red zone, but he made up for it outside the red zone. I mean, are you telling me the Chargers have a receiver that could do that and, you know, help Rivers' numbers increase? And I know you're another guy that, you know, you're, you're an anti-road guy. Let's just look ahead to his fantasy playoff schedule. You know, week 14 at home against the Redskins. Okay, that is a that is a very winnable game, and that's very good fantasy output for him. But then week 15 and 16, what's he do? He goes on the road. He goes to Kansas City week 15. And yes, I know week 16, it's the Jets. However, it's New Jersey. It's December. The Jets do have a defense. If you're looking down the road, how does Phillip Rivers perform for you? If he's going to be your quarterback to try and win you a championship, how's that going to work out for you in those weeks? I'll take my chances. I think the Chargers are going to have a real decent year. I heard an interview on the Rotovis podcast, the RV32 series. If you, if you haven't listened to it, they go through each team. The uh, the announcer for the Chargers says the feel around the team is that they're acclimated. They've moved into LA. They're ready to go, and they feel they're the best team in the division. So I think those games are going to be meaningful, and I think Rivers will be okay. I get what you're saying. Give me a healthy Keenan Allen. I'll roll the dice. Let me turn to one more for you here that'll hit close to your heart. Scott, I don't know where the heck to put Ben Roethlisberger because here's the deal. There are games, you and I know that, we're on the phone the one time in the Indianapolis game. He's got like five, six touchdowns, 10 touchdowns. How many touchdowns in the game? He has a ceiling that is as high as Aaron Rodgers. There's no doubt about it. But then his road splits are not great. People say it's not a big deal. And I'll, I'll qualify road because on the road in a dome is not on the road for me, Scott. I'm not going with that. When he's on the road in Indianapolis or something like that, that Thanksgiving game, he crushed it. But I'm I'm talking about, listen, I'm going to tell you right now for my week one rankings, 
I don't think I'm putting Ben Roethlisberger top 10 because he's playing in Cleveland. And you're going to tell me that I'm absolutely nuts, but I got to see it first. Where do you put Ben Roethlisberger ranking? Right now, I got him 12th. Where do you got him in, in, in your rankings? Yeah, I mean, I have him 10th right now. I mean, a lot of this has to do with, you know, guys like Andrew Luck. You know, you don't know where they're going to wind up. So people fluctuate around. I'm also down on a guy like Dak Prescott. You, th- you think I- you put Roethlisberger ahead of luck before the season starts? Before the season yeah. starts, I mean, listen, we get I think a, I will. We get a little bit more news. I think luck I think I luck's going to drop. I mean, I he's yeah. I'll tell you before before any of this injury news, I had luck at five. He's already dropped down to eleven. So right now he's behind Roethlisberger. If he comes back, he may go back up. But at this moment, he is behind him. I get the home and road splits. You know what I mean? They 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 are something that you know they kind they kind of baffle me. I mean, in case you didn't realize, now folks, I, I am a Steelers fan, so this is coming from Pittsburgh <laughs> through and through. This is coming from a guy who watches them week in week out, watches the preseason. You know, he, his numbers on the road they're not what they should be. He lights it up at home. It doesn't matter who he's playing at home. He will light it up at home. We've all seen that. He's got weapons. The road thing to me is part him, but it's also part scheme. And watch the Steelers on a week-to-week basis. They go on the road. They kind of take away the passing attack that they like so much at home. A lot of the road games, it's a lot of Le'Veon Bell. I mean, granted, all the games are a lot of Le'Veon Bell, but they really try to implore that run game, that vintage smash-mouth Steelers style with the rushing attack on the road. It takes away from Roethlisberger. You know, his, the guy can play. He's got the weapons. He's going to throw 30-something touchdown passes. He's going to throw over 4,000 yards. His interceptions have been pretty good the past couple of years. He is still someone that can put up top 10 fantasy numbers. He can start on your team each week. Sure, if he's going on the road and there's a game matchup you don't like, you could just sit him for whoever may be your backup if you want to you know, stream somebody. But he's still a quarterback that is more than capable of putting up top 10 numbers. He's going to put up the yards. He's getting Martavis Bryant back, which will be his deep threat, that vintage Mike Wallace that he had years ago. There's so many weapons for him to use that, you know, to me, he's still a top 10 quarterback, and that's why I have him listed number 10. Just for curiosity, Scott, I pulled it up here. Rotoviz Game Split app, great site, Rotoviz. Out of the last six years, Scott, for Ben Roethlisberger, real interesting for you here. So he's had 48 games at home that he's played. He was injured a little bit. 51 games on the road. You know what's interesting? His passing attempts are exactly the same. 35 at home, 35 on the road. His completions, almost also the same. The difference comes is he's got about 22, 25 more passing yards on the at home as opposed to on the road. And the big one, Scott, which is the one that's really the issue because it's not the yardage, it's the touchdowns. He passes for over one more touchdown home than on the road. But I will say this. If I took domes out of there, I bet the numbers would be even worse. I'm with you. If he stays vertical and plays 16 games, you are looking at a guy. And I know the book on him, right? They say he only had 30 touchdowns twice in his career, something like that. But he's very, very flammable. And he does a great job. And he knows where Antonio Brown is. I'm warming to him. I bet I have him ahead of Andrew Luck before the season starts. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. we And we've seen the past couple of years that whether it's in Pittsburgh or in Indianapolis where he's put up, you know, 15 touchdowns against the Colts. He just destroys the Indianapolis Colts. As long as he's healthy and he stays healthy, and we know he'll probably miss one or two games this year. He's going to miss him. He has enough weapons. And let's not forget, in the offseason, hinted, hinted at retirement. Do I believe it? No, I think he's got a couple of years left. But does this, what do the Steelers think? What does Todd Haley think? Do we really open up the offense here a little more now going forward, knowing that good point. The, the clock may be ticking on Big Ben, and you want to get what you can out of this guy? And he's, he, to me, he's a top five or six quarterback period in the league. To me, he'll be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. 
as long as he plays at least 15 games. All right, Mike, let's go to another quarterback here on the rankings here. For me, this is a guy I'm really high on. I'm not sure where you stand on him. I know he may be moving up your rankings. But for me, what what do you feel about Marcus Mariota? I have him ranked sixth right now, which I know is higher than a lot of other people's consensus rankings on the quarterback. I got him sixth. Talk to me about Mariota coming off an injury. Got some weapons in Tennessee. What, what do you think? Hey, man, we're, great minds think alike. I got him six also, and I got to tell you, it wouldn't take a lot for me to push him past Rivers. You know I like Rivers. I think this is Mariota's year. I was looking at my week one starts. I'm going to say this right now. He is my number one ranked quarterback for week one, and that's saying something. You got Tom Brady at home against Kansas City, Mariota's home against the Raiders, and the last two times they have lost to the Raiders at home. DFS anyone? He's coming west. They're going west coast, east coast, which is never good. He's got a solid running game. His O-line is great. You know what I think about Rashard Matthews, the running yardage for him. I think that's going to be a high-scoring game. I love Marcus Mariota. I think this is the year for him. I think he puts it all together. He's very cerebral. He's smart. They do the short passes, much like the Patriots that you and I hate, but fantasy owners love. I love the guy. I think he's tremendous. He was 14th in deep ball attempts last year. So he's he's just, you know, a little bit better in the middle of the road. So he's not just a short-term guy. He was fourth in rushing yards, underrated, seventh in red zone carries. I think he does it all. I'm with you, man. Marcus Mariota, top six for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm real big on Mariota this year. I know he's coming off the injury. People may speculate. Maybe he's going to be 100%. Maybe he's going to run a little less. He's got a ton, a ton of talent. And he's got, got some talent around him now, too. I really, really love Mariota. What was he, ninth last year in red zone? completion we're just talking about red zone completion about rivers he was ninth there last year and you know he's just going behind the seventh best offensive line in 2016 they might be even better in 2017 it's gonna get protected he's got weapons in the backfield and at the receiver position i I love mariota this year yeah you know one of my favorite stats uh, from player profiler scott on marcus mariota he ranked number one in production premium which rates him against all quarterbacks in all situations taking out down and distance. Just how did he perform? It incorporates everything. He was number one among our quarterbacks. That means he is the ultimate in efficiency. He's got to stay healthy. He's going to do a great job. One more here for quarter three, Scott. Very polarizing guy again. Dallas Cowboys. No Zeke Elliott. How's Dak Prescott going to do? Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing right there. I mean, before the Zeke's suspension, I was a little bit down on Prescott. I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to be further down on Prescott right here uh, with Elliott out. Granted, you know, Darren McFadden, maybe look at the job. Then the Cowboy offensive line is still pretty good. They did lose some people. The line is going to take a little bit of a step back. Still going to be solid, but there's going to be a lot more pressure now on Prescott year two. It's not going to surprise anybody. Teams are going to be ready for him, prepared for him. You know the Giants are going to be ready for him week one. That defense is going into Dallas. That defense is ranked in the top in the NFL. They will be ready to go with no Elliott to key in on. You know, uh, and Des Bryant that, you know, can he stay healthy? Do we know if Des Bryant's going to be, you know, 100%, you know, with Prescott, you know, making that connection there? I think Prescott gets a lot of pressure this year. I'm down on Prescott. He's not someone I would take in any fantasy league this season. I think he gets a bit of a sophomore slump. And he's going to have a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, Elliott suspended six games. I'm sure with that appeal, he'll probably get cut down. I'm going to guess three or four games. But still, he's going to he's going to have to carry that team by himself. Yeah, McFadden, Morris are there. But I think Prescott's a guy to stay away from in year two. You know, that sophomore something, I believe in it. I do. But I do have Prescott ranked number 10 overall. I just put him past luck. I think he can do it all. That 67.6 completion percentage for me was very impressive last year. I like his running ability. By the way, he led all quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns, which I think was very odd. You figured, I don't know, with Tyrod Taylor or somebody, but he did. He's going to be able to take some more shots. I like him. I think his floor is high. I think he's solid. 
I like Dak Prescott. I got him ahead of, of people like Roethlisberger. I think Roethlisberger is going to be much higher on the highs, but lower on the lows than Prescott. I kind of like him. The big debate for me, man, is I don't know where you got Prescott ranked. Prescott or Cousins? What do you think? I got Prescott ranked 15. I got Cousins ranked 12. So I'm right. going to go okay. Cousins a little bit ahead of Prescott. Okay. I mean, not a big gap, yeah, uh, but that that's where I got it. Prescott's at 15. He may move up a little bit as luck drops down. Others may drop down, but... It's just a guy I'd stay away from this year. I think the Cowboys regress as a whole. I don't think they'll be nearly as good as last year. And I just, he's not going to have that ability to surprise teams. There will be a book. There is a book out on him now, and he's going to get tested immediately week one in that now annual Sunday night giant cowboy game. All right, let's hit fourth quarter, man. All right, guys, let's get ready for this fourth and final quarter here on the uh, pilot episode of the Pick It Up with the Blitz podcast. We're going to do a little, uh, Overvalued, undervalued, or properly valued on current ADPs, as we said, a couple weeks away from the NFL season. And I'm going to uh, start this off by throwing Mike. I'm going to throw you uh, Leonard Fournette. Overvalued, undervalued, properly valued. You might want to go in the fridge and get a beverage here, my friend, because I'm going to go off here. He is massively, massively overvalued. I took a look last year because of Ezekiel Elliott at how first year round one running backs did in that rookie season. And it turns out it was a mixed bag. For every Todd Gurley, for every Ezekiel Elliott, there's Darren McFadden, Scott, who was taken in 2008 with the fourth pick and shared reps with Justin Vargas. Okay. Oh, and Michael Bush also? I think so. The idea that Leonard Fournette is going to be a bell cow for the Jaguars is idiotic. And anyone who thinks so is nuts. He's right now an RB11. I just don't buy it. Chris Ivory's going nowhere. TJ Yeldon's going to mix in on third downs. So what are we going to do with Fournette? He's not going to be great catching passes. He's going to be a rookie. They're going to have Ivory there. If you needed to get a yard, Scott, and your newborn daughter's life is on the line, you going to Chris Ivory or Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Chris Ivory here for one yard. So yeah, that's so that's my point. Like I think the, the the running back carries there, and I put this out on Twitter, is going to be 63. 30-10. And I don't think 60% of the carry, Scott, on a poor run-blocking Jaguars team with their offensive line being really not great at run-blocking, I don't think that's going to be very good. I don't see how Leonard Fournette is rookie. He is not Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott was helped out by an incredible offensive line. Todd Gurley missed the first few games and then had a great season. Those are rare. Those are not the norms. The idea that Fournette is anywhere north of a top 20 RB is complete fantasy football poppycock. That's what it is, Scott. No way. He's overvalued. Yeah, and let's not forget, Chad Henney might be your week one starting quarterback. So, anybody, any defense is afraid of Chad Henney? No. And that means they're going to be passing a lot. So stock up TJ Yeldon. Let me swing one of you here. Overly Overvalued, undervalued, or properly valued. How about Marvin Jones of the Lions? Marvin Jones. Fantasy players. You guys remember Marvin Jones last year? I'm sure week one probably wasn't even owned. He put up 51 points from week one to week three. 51 fantasy points PPR. Now, he only put up 59 the rest of the season, so I think that's why a lot of people are down on Marvin Jones. But let's not forget, he put up career year, career high in yardage, 930 yards, and he right now is a wide receiver, 51. 51st-ranked wide receiver. That's crazy. For a guy who scored 205 receiving yards in week three against the Green Bay Packers, still managed to get about four or five receptions a game, Fizzled out a little bit down the stretch because that's when Matthew Stafford decided he was going to look Golden Tate's way, who was nowhere to be found week one. It's a little too low for me, a wide receiver 51. He should be up a little bit more, maybe in the top 40. The guy... 
put up big numbers. He had a nice rapport with Stafford. The league got to him. I think second year with Stafford. No Calvin Johnson again. Stafford will find him. They'll work. He's better than a wide receiver, 51. All right, let's stick with the wide receivers here, Mike. I'm going to toss to you now. Tennessee Titans, Rashard Matthews. The wide receiver core is crowded there now with Eric Decker there. Corey Davis is in. And Delaney Walker still there at tight end. What's your thought on Rashard Matthews? Is he overrated, underrated? Where, where, where do you stand with him? Rashard Matthews is massively underrated. Right now, Scott, he is the third drafted by ADP wide receiver on the Tennessee Titans. He is the current wide receiver 49. What that means is, on average, he's not even going to sniff wide receiver three production. Do I need to remind you how Richard Matthews did last year? Matthews was seventh in red zone receptions with 12. He was sixth overall at the position with nine total touchdowns. And this is a guy who didn't see an above 60% snap share until roughly week six. He has a great rapport with Marcus Mariota. He produces wherever he goes. Corey Davis is a rookie, Scott. He's flaky. And I like Eric Decker. Eric Decker is very solid. But Rashard Matthews is three years younger than Eric Decker, who is 30. So I'm going to take the guy who was the most productive of the three last year in Tennessee. I'm going to take the guy who has the best connection with the quarterback in Tennessee. And I'm going to take the guy with the best average draft position. And that's Rashard Matthews. Massively undervalued. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Rashard Matthews was pretty good last year. Nice rapport with Marcus Mariota. Yeah, Decker's there. I like Decker. Decker, like you said, Decker's a veteran. Solid. He will, as long as he's on the field, he will get his looks. But so will Rashard Matthews. I agree. Corey Davis, too much hype for a rookie right now, and especially in that offense like that. Give me Rashard Matthews there as well. I think he's definitely undervalued. Well, let's go to a wide receiver who's getting a lot of attention right now. But the question is, Scott, is it deserved? Let's go to New England. Julian Edelman injury could change your answer here. What do you think about Brandon Cooks? Yeah, I mean, the Edelman injury definitely can change uh, You know the way I look at Brandon Cooks. I mean, before the Edelman injury, and we don't know how serious that is, I was not big into Brandon Cooks because I mean, you know, we've seen it time and time again in New England. I mean, when he's healthy, there's one guy that's a lock, and that's Gronkowski. Yeah, after that, Edelman is as close to a lock as you're going to get. And then anybody else, it's like a revolving door, whether it's wide receiver, whether it's running back. It doesn't really matter. Now, Cooks is gifted. He's talented. But now let's remember now he's out of the dome. He's in New England. He's going to play in a lot of cold weather games down the stretch. Brady likes his guys. He'll even throw to Amendola once in a while. Malcolm Mitchell, Super Bowl hero, big games. He's going to be around. There's a lot of mouths to feed in New England. And where Brandon Cooks is right now, yeah, Brandon Cooks right now is a wide receiver 12. I mean, he's right above a DeAndre Hopkins. Right above DeAndre Hopkins. He's above a Terrell Pryor, who I'm a big fan of. I know you are. Terrell Pryor finds Huge. himself, I think, in a great situation with Kirk Cousins in Washington. He's ahead of guys like Alshon Jeffrey, who I think is prime for a nice year with, with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. And he sits right behind guys like Doug Baldwin, T.Y. Hilton, who could be impacted immensely if Andrew Luck is out for more than one or two weeks. But he is behind Michael Thomas, who is the guy I think benefits most out of that Brandon Cooks trade. So for me, Brandon Cooks is overrated at this spot. Um, He should be a little bit lower. He's got the talent. But again, the Patriots, they give the ball to everybody. And there's no guarantee he's going to be able to put up the numbers that he did with Drew Brees. All right, Mike, let's throw another running back at you here. Um, Carolina, Jonathan Stewart, the veteran, he's still there. Christian McCaffrey is now there as the rookie, and he's getting a lot of the talk. Is Jonathan Stewart worthy of a pick? I mean, are people forgetting about the veteran? 
Should we forget about the veteran? What do you think? Jonathan Stewart produces whenever he gets the ball. The issue is he's been injured. McCaffrey is good. I think McCaffrey helps Stewart's game, Scott, because I think Stewart gets the focus. He gets the focus on the first down and second yard a second first down and second down work and I think most importantly he is going to be the goal line smasher he's had several games over 100 yards when he was healthy last year they're not going to want to run Cam Newton as much they're going to want to keep him healthy when they get close to the goal line they're going to give it to Stewart I think McCaffrey adds a, a dimension to distract the defense I think Stewart is very solid I think he's a very Legarrett Blunt guy this year, Scott. I think if Carolina scores, he's going to have double-digit touchdowns. He's a good receiver out of the backfield, too. Right now, he's running back 39 as per fantasy pros. That's insane. His floor, when he's healthy, if he's in the starting lineup, is an RB2 every week. You're getting him at RB39. Undervalued for Jonathan Stewart. And let's stay in Carolina for our last one here of a pilot episode. Scott, bring it home. You're the anchor. Quarterback for the Panthers, Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton sits right now at quarterback at a quarterback number nine. I mean, to me, that's just it's insane that he's cracking the top ten. I know he's two years removed from an MVP season and going to the Super Bowl, losing to the Denver Broncos. But Cam Newton to me is just one of those feast or famine quarterbacks. I know you love that feast or famine, and I steal it from here once in a while. Feast or famine to Sean Jackson. But Cam Newton at a quarterback nine, severely, severely overrated, ranked ahead of Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford. I mean, these are guys that they have Cam Newton ahead of. He's two years ago MVP season. What did he do last year? Last year, threw for 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. His rushing total dipped from 2015 from 630 yards down to 360. He's thrown for 4,000 yards only once in the league. One time in his career he's thrown for over 4,000 yards. So if he's not going to throw for more than 4,000 yards, his touchdowns are not going to crack 25, which they've only cracked 25 one time. And again, that was the MVP season where he threw 35. Other than that, it's been 24 or less for touchdowns. His rushing yards are going to be cut in half, which they were last year. He's coming off the shoulder injury, so you know they're going to be a little bit delicate with him, at least out of the out of the get-go. It, it's tough for me to buy a guy like Cam Newton at quarterback nine. As far as his weapons, you know, Kelvin Benjamin came into camp. What was he? You know, Eddie Lacy-like? 20 pounds overweight, the wide receiver Brutal. position? He was horrific. I mean, he looked he looked pretty bad when you saw him, you know, in pictures and on the TV. And who, who, other than Greg Olson, where are we going? Jonathan Stewart's good on the ground game. We like McCaffrey a little bit as well. But for me, quarterback nine coming off a season where he 19 and 14 and his rushing yards are cut in half, way, way overrated. I will not even sniff Cam Newton in any type of fantasy draft this year. Sounds good to me, Scott. Career uh, completion percentage, 58.3, and he's not going to be running as much. Doesn't add up. Well, there you go, folks. That's it. First quarter, second, third, fourth quarter. Scott and I picking up the blitz here in the pilot episode. Listen, we're both sports writers. We both write for Last Word on Sports. Uh, you can find us all over the place. Follow me on Twitter at FTSY Fantasy Warrior Might and follow Scott at SCOT, Scott with one T, 557. That's where you can find me on Twitter. Again, we both write for Last Word on Sports. Mike's all over the place on a bunch of different sites as well. You can find <laughs> our pieces everywhere. This is what we're going to bring to you, though. This is the type of format we're looking to bring to you. Something a little different. We can take your feedback on Twitter. Hit us up. Tell us know what you like, what you want to hear. Maybe we can incorporate some tweets into the show down the road as we go on. You know, we want to be as interactive as we can with you guys. We want to give you something different. We know that's hundreds of fantasy podcasts you could choose from. We want to be the one you choose first. Talk to us, follow us, let us know. We hope you enjoyed this pilot. Hope you enjoyed it, folks. We'll talk to you soon. We're coming twice a week. Picking up the Blitz, folks. Find us on Twitter. Hit us up. Hope you like it. We're coming back. <laughs>